0: everybody's gotta eat and nobody likes getting sick that's why heroes toil in the shadows keeping your food safe at all points from the supply chain to the point of sale join industry veterans francine l shaw and matt Rigushi for a deep dive into food safety it all boils down to
1: one golden rule don't eat don't eat poop. Hello, Francine.
0: Hey, Matt. How are you today?
1: Good. You know, it's, before we launch into the podcast, I just want to thank everybody for listening. It's been amazing, fantastic results in terms of numbers and countries and demographics listening to our podcast.
0: I I am um, not only surprised, but almost overwhelmed with the, not only the number of listeners and downloads, but- the locations. We are on six of seven continents, which is absolutely- yeah, come
1: on, Antarctica. I know. I know. There's got to be someone there who's interested in eating.
0: <laughs> someone on some military installation has got to listen to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, Antarctica has a pretty good kill step. I think it's pretty cold up there.
0: It's not on my um bucket list. <laughs> for visiting. I
1: hear the vacation is uh, – I'm, I'm sure getting flights there would probably be, be complicated.
0: I don't know that tourists are allowed to visit.
1: Yeah, but um, we are, just in terms of statistics, what are we, like the top 25 percentile of, of brand new podcasts? That's what I understand. So exciting. Yeah.
0: Would you have thought? Did you think?
1: No. I literally thought you and I were just, were just taking our regular phone conversations, putting it on a podcast for um, – our friends and families to watch, listen to like three times.
0: <laughs> okay. So I had higher expectations. I was hoping it was a bit more than that. <laughs> Being the overachiever that I am.
1: <laughs> that is, that is true. When it comes to overachieving, you definitely are that part of this, this relationship. <laughs> that and um, making sure everything looks perfect in marketing. And all that stuff. <laughs> I try. Well, we have we have a a lot of really let's see we have a few very interesting topics today, Francine. You want to start it off? I do, I sure do.
0: So, what do you think? How do you feel about the plea deal that Mr. Cruz negotiated with the government regarding the Blue Bell? Listeria case that happened a few years ago
1: I I find it fascinating actually um, working in the industry a long time and actually having clients go to jail over Listeria outbreaks like um, I remember I remember the Jensen Farms outbreak. Those brothers went to jail. I know somebody in the halal that falsified documentation nobody even got sick. He and his family went to jail. The the guys from Peanut Corpse of America that falsified information just like this guy did went to jail. And and it's interesting because you know you're you're thinking that the that the federal government and stuff is really coming down hard on the industry in terms of food safety. And and this guy gets like a slap on the a theoretical slap on a list. Risk, what do you get? Like a hundred thousand dollar fine?
0: A hundred thousand dollar fine, which is has got to be peanuts. To him. I mean, we're looking at a company that did, you know, billions of dollars in sales. This guy had to be making close to a million dollars a year, if not more. Had to be. And he gets a $100,000 fine. That's like pocket, pocket change.
1: Yeah. So you and I kind of launched into this because we are nerds. We should probably like define what went on in this. Yeah. Okay. So
0: during this outbreak, 10 people ended up in the hospital. We had, that. that's 10 people required hospitalization in four states. I believe three people died. Bluebell agreed to pay several million dollars in fines, 17 point. The company agreed to pay criminal penalties totaling 17.5 million and 2.1 million to resolve False Claims Act allegations regarding the ice cream products. People have gone to jail for less. And there was a hearing. He did go to court. And they could not come to a unanimous decision. It was a 10 to 2 in Cruz's favor. Um, So they declared a mistrial. And that is how they ended up coming to this plea agreement. And the decision was made that he would... Not go to jail, and in a nutshell, it's much more complicated than that. That's what happened as a result of this listeria outbreak that happened a few years ago. Yeah, and
1: and um, just as like a an update, I mean, we talked about listeria, I think, in our first episode, and listerosis, that illness is terrible. It is absolutely terrible, and it is rare. So this is this is like a no joke, right? And um supposedly he knew that that was an issue in his facility. Right. Yeah. That is, that is fascinating to me. What did he write? Like he, he's glad he stood up for himself or something like that. For
0: doing the right thing.
1: Doing the right thing. That's right.
0: Glad I stood up for doing what was right. Excuse me, but what the hell does that mean? I mean, glad I stood up for what was right. People died. People died. People got sick and went to the hospital. What is it he did that was right? He got out of going to prison? I mean, is that what he did that was right? I, I'm not sure what that statement meant. I would love to know what he meant. I'm
1: guessing he won't come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't be, we won't have the opportunity to, to interview this guy, I'm guessing. Probably
0: not. Yeah. Um, but they, they did, you know, they're very fortunate in the sense that the company was able to recover from this. Many companies do not recover from this type of this type of in fact very few do very few can afford to there was a billionaire that actually helped them out of this and um they were able to recover but um i don't know i'm just astounded at what happened here yeah i think that my opinion is that you know when we have had so many people that have gone to prison and i feel rightfully so they are probably all wondering who this guy's attorney was while they're sitting in prison.
1: That is that is a really good. We should find out who that is. Can you imagine? Yes, it's. It, you know it's interesting? It's like, it's like the antithesis of Bill Marler. I would like to see them like in a like a like a Star Wars fight. You know, Bill Marler, <laughs> and this this criminal attorney.
0: Saber lights just flashed in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Can you imagine what the conversations were in, you know, several federal penitentiaries across the country yesterday while this guy's walking after he wrote his hundred thousand dollars check?
1: Yeah, I bet the conversation was, "Man, I wish I had his attorney." Okay, so I, I just want to read what Doctor Darren Detweiler wrote on LinkedIn because I think it's really, really yes, good. And you. anybody, anybody who doesn't know Doctor Darren Detweiler. He's an amazing guy and he's an advocate for he's a consumer advocate. His son died in the Jack in a Box recall uh an outbreak in like the 90s early 90s and ever since then he's he ended up getting he, he was like a like a nuclear submarine <laughs> Navy guy and then end up getting his doctorate in, in food just, just to be a better advocate. So he's a really interesting guy. He teaches college university courses on food safety and food industry. Um, so Dr. Darren Detweiler, check him out. In fact, maybe we'll put his link of his LinkedIn down, down in the things below, but he said, dear leaders within the food industry and food safety community, academia and beyond. Please make sure that the legacy of Paul Cruz includes not only his former role as CEO of Bluebell Creameries, where sales, marketing, and quality all reported to him, but a few other critical details. One, under his watch, Bluebell was responsible for products adulterated with listeria, sickening 10, and killing 3, which Francine goes back to what we were talking about um, in that first episode, that when you get listeriosis, 30% of the people die. Like it's bad. Like it's huge. And then two, Bluebell Creameries agreed to pay historic criminal penalties, totaling nineteen point three five million dollars in fines, forfeiture, and civil settlement payments, the second largest amount ever paid in resolving a food safety matter. What was the first amount, Francine? Is that was that Peanut Corpse America? I hate to, I don't wanna throw names out there without being sure. I
0: Chipotle's fine was really big. Oh, maybe that was Chipotle. I think it was like 20, was was it 25 million maybe? That's
1: right. It was Chipotle. Wow. Yeah. So they're second only to Chipotle. Um, Three, though he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge over food safety violations, he was originally charged with seven counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud for alleged efforts to conceal from customers what Blue Bell knew about the Listeria contamination. The federal judge declared a mysterial mysterial Man, I, I need to get a better vocabulary of legal terms. In 2022, after the jury failed to reach a unanimous verdict. And four, and finally, that he was, quote, glad that he, quote, stood up for what was right. Legacy must go on the bright spot to include the dark moments and conflicting themes that explain the totalitarian of a company or an individual's impact on society. And you know, he wrote this on top. I didn't realize that. He wrote this on top of the article that you posted. He did. (laughs) He did. Wow. That's when you know you're an influencer, Francine, is when another influencer reposts your article (laughs) and then writes a an essay on top of it.
0: <laughs> so yes, Chipotle paid twenty five million dollars as a fine to resolve charges stemming from more than eleven hundred cases of foodborne illness. Yeah, and oh, it just—it's just so infuriating.
1: Yeah, you have such a thick skin, and when things like this happen, you you get so upset. See, I'm I'm more jaded, Francine. I just. It, expect things like this to happen.
0: <laughs> I get upset because first of all, we know it's preventable. Are we ever going to stop 100% of foodborne illnesses absolutely positively not. It's it's not going to happen. But when people intentionally do things or they're aware of things that are happening and they know that it's their responsibility and it's just like, you know what, the odds of it happening are so slim just going to let it go. Maybe part of it is because I've worked in both sides of the industry. I've worked in all aspects of the industry. Maybe, maybe that is some of it. I don't know, but I remember doing, um, a third party audit at this point, I was doing an inspection, I guess. And I was in a, at this point it was a casino and I was on the floor and they had a display Um, And they were selling food out of the display. And these displays sometimes, uh, some of the older ones, at least, they never hold temperature. You know, it's very difficult. Um, And, you know, when you get hold things that are like back closer to the door, there are certain parts of the machines that, you know, it's really bad if you hold things there for an extended period of time. And I remember taking the temperature of this product, and the temperature was nowhere near what it needed to be. And I said to the the manager that was shadowing me you're going to need to throw this product away and sometimes you know their first tendency a lot of times is to grab their own thermometer or to argue with you disagree with you about the <laughs> the temperatures or whatever so she made the comment well we don't we don't sell that many of those
1: <laughs> like okay so you just keep it on the shelf
0: and i said okay so if you only kill one person today, that's okay, right? Yeah. What's the number? It's
1: two different perspectives. It's two different perspectives, right? It's one is the, uh, yeah. And and so I've done a lot of consulting, right, in the industry side of things. And my favorite is when the food safety executive is underneath the operations executive, right? And that happens a lot. And it makes sense. If you're looking at a, a an org chart, it makes sense because the food safety people tend to be in the facility. The operation manager runs the facility. But- The alignment on KPIs or goals are very, very different. The food safety manager's job or the quality manager's job is to provide the best quality possible and the safest food possible, right? So they're managing risk. The operations manager's job is most likely bonused on how efficient the facility runs, how much product they get in and get out on a daily, hourly, quarterly basis, right? So, having the manager that's in charge of running the operations, managing someone who's in, who's in charge of slowing that down is not always the best, the best thing. Now, you want the operations manager to get as much product out of there as possible. That You want that as a facility. That's how you become more, more profitable. You also want your food safety manager and quality manager providing the best quality and the safest product. You want those things. And so, both of them come at two different paradigms that conflict. And you want that conf- you want that to happen. You want that conflict to be there. It, it, it creates a good organization to have that there. What you don't want is one to be over the top of the other. And it goes back to you being there, checking on that product and seeing that it was the temperature was out of spec. And you're like, hey, you got to chuck this. And But the other person's more sales minded, operations minded. And they're like, well, we only sell like a couple of them anyways. It's not that big of a deal. And it's just a difference of paradigm. And it, that goes back to the CEO, right, um, of Bluebell, uh, his mindset was I need to sell as much product as possible if I let it out or show people that there's this issue that we have in the facility with Listeria. And by the way, Listeria, it's an indicator pathogen that is utilized in cold storages because freezing temperatures won't kill Listeria. So Listeria can actually be okay in ice cream, which is why it continued to grow. So if you have. Listeria in an ice cream facility—that's a—that's bad. That's that's a big deal because it's hard to get rid of, um, and it will just keep going. So he realized that there's an issue, and he just tried to cover it up. And I I tell my clients all the time, like the chances of you having an outbreak or a recall at some point in time are inevitable. It's how you manage those crises, which which protects your brand. You know, you're dealing with a perishable product that a lot of times doesn't have a kill step uh, for certain things. And so the chances of you having an issue are there. Even the best facilities are going to have issues occasionally. It's how you deal with it. Do you decide to cover it up and kill more people? Or do you decide to like go, oh, shoot, let me get rid of this really quick and, and try to solve it. Let everybody know that we do have a problem and here's what the 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 factors that we're doing in order to solve it right
0: well and you know even with and i understand completely what you're saying and you're right um the operations manager regardless of the company is responsible for profitability also in many cases it controls their bonus <laughs> yeah so you know there's that as well um so they've got two huge factors that are first and foremost in their mind Blue Bell did $680 million in sales in, in 2014. Even with the recall, they were on track to do over $500 million in 2015. That's a lot of money. Those are huge sales.
1: That is a lot of money. But if you go from over $600 million down to $500 million, I get it. It doesn't mean profitability, right? And I think they had to shut down some facilities and all this stuff. Oh,
0: they did. And they laid off a huge, massive amounts of people due to the the loss in revenue. And I do understand that. I do understand the economics of all of it.
1: But what's a life worth? I know, I know. Well, I mean, I, I actually know people that um, um, are there now at Bluebell, and the culture is completely different. It is absolutely different. It is fascinating that, unfortunately, with uh, it takes a massive crisis for some of the culture to change, but it it, it totally has. Same with Chipotle. Like I know the VP of food safety there, the culture there is is has has absolutely changed, and it, and it's 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 like if you survive this, you have to change. And this could be hopefully, hopefully, hopefully a lesson in the positive for other companies to look at this not, and not go, "Hey, look, I could be like the CEO and not go to jail," but more along the lines of, "Hey, look, if I do things correctly, I won't get canned." Mind and my whole brand be ruined. Right. Like hopefully that's the lesson that gets taken from this.
0: Right. Well, and you would like to think that that's the case. You, you would love to think that that's the case rather than the statistical analogies. Well, you know, this happened to them. So what are the odds of it happening to me as well? <laughs> right. And, um, the odds of this happening twice in one decade. And you know what I mean? I'm not trying to be negative by any means, but I've worked in the industry for a long time. And most people do a good job.
1: Yes. The vast most majority. Most people
0: do a very, very good job, not beating anybody up. Most people do a very, very good job, but then we have people like this situation. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's that. Yeah. And when it's, when it's bad, I mean, you talk about it for a decade. I mean, this has been going on for a very long time. Um, And then every single time something comes up in this case, it just Drags that brand under, the, you know, under the bus again, um, and into the mud when when the culture has changed. But it, it, it's unfortunate that it just it is like if you if you mess up really really bad and you cover it up really really bad, you ruin your brand.
0: Well, case in point is this. We've been talking about Jack in the Box for 30 years.
1: <laughs> Literally 30 years. <laughs> yes.
0: And I'd love to have Darren, Dr. Detweiler on here, and I'm sure we will at some point. You know, I am feel certain that his feelings about that today aren't much different than they were in 1993. No, they're not. He's just one of the few people that have been able to turn such a huge tragedy into something very positive.
1: Yeah, he is a very special human being in, in that um, instead of, you know, putting his head in the sand, he um, or I mean, and I and I say this in the nicest way. I'm not because I did, My gosh, if I try to put myself in his shoes, having so many children, and if one of them died in, in an outbreak like that, what what would I do? And it'd be it'd be really interesting It's because it, every single time I would tell that story on stage, like what he does. Every single time you're reliving that. Mm-hmm. And that has to be just so painfully hard. But then, you know, he talks about how he's been able to utilize his son's story to save significantly more children and 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 people in general. And that's that's a beautiful thing. But but gosh, I don't I I mean, you and I talk about it all the time because it's our job and our, you know, it is our passion. But I I don't know how. Maybe I could, but it would take it would take a it would take a while it would take a long time
0: I agree I give him a ton of of credit for what he's been able to do with that
1: situation so yeah like I don't even know if I could talk like that whole Chinese melanine protein thing in that in the dog food that killed a bunch of dogs I don't even know if I could talk about my dog dying because of a food safety outbreak I don't know what that means. do I love my dog more than my children or um <laughs> I shouldn't say things like that. Somebody's going to beat
0: you up for that. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know you well enough to know someone's going to come at you for that.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, and speaking of, uh, speaking of, of, of children dying, should we move to the next topic? Well, what a segue. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So I'll, I'll bring it up. So the next one speaking of children dying is Abbott and the FDA or not just Abbott, I should say, um, but a bunch of um, formula producers. Uh, the FDA sent them a nice little letter just recently. They
0: did. They did. It seems that they want them to do their jobs.
1: <laughs> yeah. The FDA just basically said to, to Abbott in the formula industry, hey, you know what? It'd be really nice if you guys just started doing your GMPs, good manufacturing practices and um, testing and, and, you know, just not provided product that's tainted with, with salmonella and other Pathogens anymore? That'd be great. Can you please do that?
0: Basically, we don't want you to make any more babies sick, or you know. <laughs> I mean, what? Oh, hello. Okay.
1: Okay. I have to. I have to say that there is so much beauty in the condensation. The condensation from the FDA. Like, okay. When I first read the article about this, with um, the FDA writing the formula industry, basically saying, "Can you please, you know, do your job?" I thought that's all. That's that's pretty that's pretty dumb. Why would you just why would you do that? Why wouldn't you put like like come down harder or whatever, whatever? And then I, I then I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, they must have a really sick sense of humor in the FDA to do that because they they were like, instead of doing that, they were like, okay, maybe you guys aren't intelligent enough to know what you're supposed to do. So let me be blatantly clear about the basics that every farmer in the United States is supposed to follow. Can you please follow that in your multi-billion dollar facilities that are providing 80% of the formula to the to the American ba- infants? That would be really nice. Can you please do that, pretty please? And I thought, oh, that actually makes it even better because it's so condescending that it belittles them worse than anything else.
0: It's just such common sense. It's just like, can you please just follow just the very basics that it takes to do your job? Like we just, this is what you want, we we want you to do. Can you please just just do this? And, and you're right. I mean, it's just like, and to put this out there in the public so so that everybody knows, well, I mean, basically, <clears throat> probably the only people that are... Aware of it is, you know, food safety nerds.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we say, it's in the nerd news.
0: (laughs) Um, And you are right. It it, it is. It's. It's. It's very condescending for a company of this magnitude to have to be told this. Right.
1: Whoa. One hundred percent. I mean, the amount of of people they must have on their payroll that deal with food safety and, and quality assurance alone in one of these facilities has to be significant. It has to be huge. And the the, the the testing that they must do now, given what just happened, I don't know if they were doing that before, but I'm, I'm positive. I shouldn't say positive. I would hope that they're doing significantly more testing now than they did in the past, but yeah.
0: That's like somebody coming to me and say, Francine, can you please just learn to wash your hands before you cook food? Can you please just remember... And please, just use use soap when you do that. Right.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, does it have to be antibacterial soap? Uh, be...
0: <laughs> Should I dry them?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. If I have a bowl of cereal, do I need to wash that before I put some other food in it, like four hours, five hours later? <laughs> You know, we, we, okay, so so even consumers, that would they would be like, oh my gosh, yes, of course you do. But then, I don't know, we keep doing these food safety myths where, you know, the Atlantic says it's okay to drink curdled milk, so.
0: Makes great pancakes. <laughs>
1: what do you have for us, Francine, for food safety myths?
0: I want to talk about eating in the shower. Eating in the shower?
1: Is this something you do frequently?
0: I have never eaten in the shower. <laughs> Have you ever eaten in the shower?
1: I have never eaten the shower. i I have to say. No, that doesn't mean that I haven't had breakfast still in my mouth when I was going into the shower. That could have happened at some point in time. But bringing a meal into the shower, no, it's not not a not a normal routine for me.
0: Now, I have heard people talk about drinking wine in the shower or having a beer in the shower, or their coffee in the shower. I've over the years heard people talk about that. i I can remember years ago, I had a friend. Who one time, she had a garden tub and I can remember her talking to her and she was like, oh, my husband just brought me some hot wings. And she was and I'm like, what are you doing eating hot wings in the bathtub? I mean, that was like a whole new level of just like mind-blowing. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm like, I guess you don't need to worry about your hands getting Right. You, that, that's
1: actually pretty genius. Then you don't have to worry about those wet wipes you get at like Buffalo Wild Wings and stuff. You just stick it in the – oh, but that hot sauce, that hot sauce could – if it's not diluted enough, could end up being. Well, it
0: was a big garden tub, so but whatever. <laughs> but the latest thing is, which that was just like, I oh, just don't. No, I don't. I've never eaten, No, I've never eaten anything in that. Or I don't recall ever drinking anything in there either. But to each their own. The latest thing is eating oranges in the shower.
1: Now, why oranges? Okay, so uh, um, I am just curious on. First off, why are people doing this? And like, is there supposed to be some sort of homeopathic cure or something for doing this? What, what is the purpose? I don't
0: know about a cure, but apparently the steam helps release the scent of the orange peel, transforming your bathroom into a gloriously
1: citrusy spa. Nice. Oh, uh, Now I'm curious. <laughs> Our- <laughs> <laughs> the
0: shower releases would take care of the problem of your sticky hands and apparently there are some mental health benefits to the act of peeling an orange
1: oh they're they're peeling it in the the oh, shower yes, as well
0: Yes you peel it what are you, what are, what are you doing with the the peel while you're like I don't want those rinds on my uh, where, where are you putting those like?
1: Uh, yes. Dropping I them mean, on the
0: floor, and then you're going to slip on an orange peel and kill yourself. Uh, yeah,
1: like 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 the old-time movies. With, they're not saying bananas. It's not slipping on a no. banana peel. It
0: still could be slippery. Or, you know, you throw it in a soap dish. I mean, what do you do? This um, is really huh. – I can't even – these people, there are people talking about how this has changed their lives.
1: Changed their lives. This
0: one lady is, um, it's going to take more than that to change my life. <laughs> <That's
1: all laughs> my I life. don't know. I mean, you know, maybe this is a silver bullet, Francine. Maybe it's it's a panacea. We, we, could, we could, we should try it. Not together, obviously, but, uh, but, individually. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I even um, see my wife going, What the hell are you doing? No. <laughs> yeah. you don't our, eat enough that you thousands. have to do it in the five minutes of time that you can't eat is now when you're going to eat too this is great
0: one woman who claims to have transformed her bathroom into a gothic apothecary <laughs> rounded out the vine by artfully placing co- <laughs> a copper strainer full of oranges on her shower, sh- shower side table and another user claimed that the smell of oranges makes you feel like you can take on the day. Have they not heard of essential oils?
1: <laughs> you know what, though? This is probably cheaper than essential oils, and it, it is essentially the same thing.
0: It takes like a drop.
1: All right. Now now you've piqued my interest, frenzy Now I'm going to – Tomorrow – Yeah. Tomorrow is a Saturday <laughs> – Maybe maybe I'll treat myself to a life-altering experience of consuming citrus in the shower. That would be uh, okay. Huh. Matt. Let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I do take long baths, uh, and I use bath bombs. So I guess there's I, okay. So your wife's a
0: nurse, and I know enough about your wife and your family to know that your bathroom, I'm certain, is clean.
1: Yes. Probably cleaner than our kitchen.
0: I, you know, I've had my real estate license for twenty-two years. I've been in some bathrooms that I don't even want to go to the bathroom in, Uh, let alone uh, let alone eat in.
1: No, come on, green mold is is it's it's good for you. It's like penicillin.
0: Don't say that on here because people are going to take that to a whole different level. (laughs) There are all kinds of nastiness. In a bathroom, so yeah. Again, we've covered this. Most of the germs, bacteria out there, are healthy. I get that.
1: There are um, pathogens. Yeah, yeah. Don't be, don't be Willy Wonka on the bathroom mold off of you. <laughs> like your tongue. Good. No, it's not good for you. <laughs> it doesn't taste like schnozberries. No, it tastes like mold, and it's not good.
0: <laughs> and shower showerheads not shower uh, yes
1: shower heads this goes back to your your kitchen sink filter thing it's funny there was a lot of people that like commented after that going oh my gosh i didn't even know I, that, that, that there was a thing in there to clean like, like the person who is, edits our podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is an aerator <laughs> No idea what a narrator is. Not just him, but I had friends that were like texting me and like messaging. I need to know what a narrator is because I have no idea what an aerator is. So when I worked in the restaurant way back when our aerators in our bathrooms would disappear. The screens out of the old aerators. Yeah. They would disappear. Huh
1: hopefully they're going to a good cause. Here's a quasi-serious question, Francine. And I say quasi-serious because I have a hard time asking any serious questions on this podcast. If you do have mold in your shower and you do eat oranges or lemons in there, can you take the peel that has citric acid on it and kill the mold? And maybe it's two birds with one stone. You're altering your life with this new experience of the aroma of the oil in the shower Uplifting your day, uh, you know, like clouds and unicorns coming out and simultaneously killing a mold.
0: It, is there enough citric <laughs> acid in there to kill that mold? I not at all. There's it. definitely
1: not enough citric acid. And the other thing is too, the mold isn't just on the the surface most of the time. It's it's like down in the
0: wall. right. And then you've got like Depending on what type of shower you had, there's so many
1: variables here. <laughs> so many variables. But you know what? Maybe you just don't think about it because you go in the shower and you want to, um you know, like think about what you're gonna be doing for that day or rehashing everything you did that that day. And uh, then you all of a sudden you see mold. and then all then you get anxiety because you're like, oh, I need to clean that mold." And every day you keep telling yourself that over and over again because it smells because mold smells. And then you're like, but if you ate an orange in there, maybe you won't smell it anymore and that could make your life better too.
0: You you let me know tomorrow when you eat your orange in the shower. I won't be doing it. This
1: is one of those few things that I am actually going to try and I will get back to you on. on. Um, I won't have to worry about mold in my shower because like, I, like I've said in previous episodes, my wife is like a clean freak. Uh, in fact, you've seen. I've showed you pictures, Francine, of the Purell soap dispensers in every single bathroom in our house.
0: <laughs> I have sent you boxes of Purell. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, that is such a great story. So, Francine, during COVID, uh, one of one of her clients. Can I say who this client is of yours, Francine, or no? I,
0: I had boxes of um, boxes of Purell. That I had big yeah. boxes of
1: Purell. Well, what, is, what was it like? One time, like restaurants for when people puke or whatever. Well,
0: they were from Purell. I was at the time working with Purell, and they were these huge boxes of norovirus cleanup kits.
1: Is yeah, what they it was were. awesome. It was awesome. And so then I get I get a um, uh, I get a text message from Francine like three years ago. Um, What's your address? I need to send you something. And so I send her my address, and then I get this like FedEx thing that says, this box weighs 50-something pounds. So then I text Francine back, and I'm like, 50 pounds? Francine, I don't even think you weigh that much. Are you ma- mailing yourself to my house? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you being like, no, I'm just super strong. I can carry 50 pounds. I'm like, okay. And so we get this, and it's like a dozen of these Purell neurovirus things. And no joke, I mean, it's awesome. We, we, oh, man, we should put a link in there for people to go get this for their house. Like two weeks later, remember Francine? We had that huge outbreak of like stomach flu in our house.
0: Yes, right after I sent it, like everybody in the house was vomiting and had diarrhea. (laughs) You're sending me pictures, (laughs) and I'm so glad we have this.
1: My wife has them like every room.
0: It was like during COVID, and at that point, you know, everything had pretty much stopped, and it was like I don't know anybody. I had donated some to like pre-K. And like nursery schools, like I don't know anybody that could (laughs) use these any more than the Ragushi family. (laughs) (laughs) Sentence on the mat. I mean, I remember, it's, like a, it's like a pre-K in his
1: house. It totally is. It totally is. And I remember sending you a, a picture of like the aftermath of my wife waking up like two o'clock in the morning to to clean up a mess that one of our children had made. And the, the the this this these kits have a whole bunch of different things in them, like gloves and all this, mask, all this stuff. And it was strewed across the floor like a crime scene had happened. And, and there was like Purell stuff all over the place. And my wife just left it there because she was sick too and it was like two o'clock in the morning i wake up and i just see everything across it. i'm like rough night hon and she's like shut up and i just took a bunch of pictures and sent them to you <laughs> that was so funny i mean terrible it was not funny at the time but it, it, it no was <laughs> <coughs> no but they're, those kits i think those kits are
0: fantastic so yeah anyway they are
1: they are, they are they are they're a lifesaver i mean they're not really a lifesaver but they are definitely an illness saver and cleans up mess really easy. So we love them. Thank you, Francine. Uh, yes. um, and I can't we...
0: put a link. I will put a link.
1: Yeah, you should. Because I think, I think people would buy them. I mean, they're, they're not that, what are they like 30 something bucks, 50 bucks?
0: Oh no, they're no, they're more expensive than that. I believe, but I, I'll put a link
1: to Purell. But let's, let's end this with, um, again, everybody don't eat poop. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.